It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News and your host of this podcast. It's Monday, so we're opening up the mailbag, and every week what we like to do here is ask you some questions, ask you to send me some questions, rather, on Twitter. You can also send them via email to wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com, and the reason you send them there is because this mailbag usually gets published over at the Mercury News eastbaytimes.com so you can read some stuff over there but I do like to use your questions as a springboard um, to talk more about them here on this podcast I'll write about it I'll answer your questions in the published mailbag online but I like to go longer here on the show so this first question comes from Alan Frank who writes in What are your thoughts on Mulder, Bender, and Toscano Anderson with regards to earning contracts for the remainder of this season and next season? All three look like potential bench pieces on a good team. So this is a question that the Warriors are going to try to answer over the next 18 games of the year. And with Michael Mulder, Dragon Bender, and Juan Toscano Anderson, there is potential for all three of them, a few of them, to make the team next year and be real contributors. I think with Mulder, he's a he's your prototype 3 and D guy. Bender is a floor spacing 5. Toscano Anderson is a versatile forward. Those are the prototypes of guys. That is sort of the outline of a player who you want at the end of your bench. And you could do worse than any of these guys on your, on your end of your bench, okay? I think all of them have an opportunity to make the team next year. Among them, I think actually Michael Mulder has the best chance. He's been with the team with the shortest amount of time, but has been the most impressive. And I don't think there's any question about that. In six games, he's averaging over 12 points a game on 36% shooting from three-point range. And he's surprised coaches and teammates with how good he's been defensively. And um, I will continue to shout out my own writing. I wrote at length about Michael Mulder today at on the site about uh, talking to him about how he managed to become a pretty good defender in his time in the G League, specifically with uh, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, who the Warriors uh, signed him away from uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he'll probably end up signing, if he hasn't already, by the time you're hearing this, at least another 10-day contract or even possibly a rest-of-season contract. I do think that that is definitely a possibility, something that they're looking at. Um, and it's really, I think, maybe depending on Mulder, if he wants to sign a rest-of-season contract or if he... Or, uh, Possibly a longer-term contract. I don't know. I do know that he wants to be in Golden State. He told me that, that he he, he looks at the Warriors as a great long-term fit for him. And I think the Warriors look at him as a potential long-term fit. Um, he's 25 years old, known as a three-point specialist who could defend. I mean, those, again, 3 and D type guy. He started in, in Steph Curry's place when Steph was out with the flu against the Sixers. The Warriors have won three games, three of the four games, Three of their last four games without Steph, they've won, uh, and and Mulder has been a part of it. So I think that he's got a real shot. He's not. He, you don't need to ask him 
to dribble all that much. I, I think that's, you know, you don't need to ask him to guard bigger positions, but he can guard two or three positions. Uh, he did a great job uh, sliding up against uh, Devin Booker in his second game against the Suns. That's really what sort of earned him his roster spot. So uh, Mulder, I think, has got a real shot. Bender, look, um, he shows flashes here and there, but he's always just... He's one of these guys that's just like a couple of inches away from being a good NBA player. Like, you know, his shot will just, you know, bounce off the side of the rim or he'll step out of bounds or lose his dribble or, or you know, make a great move for a seven-footer and then miss a layup. Like, he's just a, he's just a couple of nudges away from being a good NBA player. That said, his skill set is very rare. A legit seven-footer who could space the floor and pass is rare. And that's exactly the kind of player Steve Kerr likes to have at the five spot. And I think Steve Kerr might be Dragon Bender's biggest fan. And if you're Dragon Bender, that's a real good guy to have in your back pocket on your side, right? So I think Bender's got a real chance. That's why they signed him to a second 10 day. They want to get an extended look at him. Um, one of the, like, you know, maybe a Jonas Jarebko type, like you don't need much from him over the course of a season. Like they're asking him to play a lot of minutes, 20 plus minutes a game right now, but you don't really need much from these type of guys when your team is healthy next year. That said, Bender's also one of these guys who needs to play through his mistakes. And it's one thing to get 23, 25 minutes a night and be able to play through those mistakes. It's a whole other thing when you're asked to sub in for six, seven, eight minutes in a game, 10 minutes in a game, and not make those mistakes. To have an efficient, tight 10 minutes where you can actually contribute positively to the team, that's very different than being able to just sort of play through stuff. Uh, and then as far as Juan Toscano Anderson, he's been a little up and down. He's he's not flashy, uh, but he's solid overall. You could again a guy who they've started at power forward at times, played at the three, has had they've had him guard ones and twos. I mean, he could guard four different positions if he can if if that outside shot can be consistent and if he can attack um, guys on closeouts. I think he's got a real chance. I think you, like, like I said, I think you could do a lot worse than any of these guys at the end of your bench. If we're talking about guys 13, 14, and 15, you could do worse. You could do worse. This next question comes from Horrible Hux, who writes in, how likely is it that Glenn Robinson III, Amari Spellman, or Jordan Bell are back with the Warriors next year? Uh, as far as Amari Spellman and Jordan Bell, look, they're not going to retread the Jordan Bell thing. They were not impressed with him. They traded him for, uh, or they, they let him go for nothing. Um, he's not coming back. There's no chance of that. Amari Spellman, they would like him back. Unfortunately, they picked up his his third-year option earlier in the season when he was on the team because they liked him so much, and then they had to trade him to get under the luxury tax. So uh, they're going to have to wait if if Spellman is to ever return. Glenn Robinson is a free agent this summer. I do wonder if he is... I I don't think that he's spiteful toward the Warriors, uh, but I do think he's going to be looking for that payday. And that's why he was... One of the reasons why he was so upset to leave the Warriors is because he was on pace. He was on track to get paid this summer, and with the Sixers, he's not playing as big a role, and he's not going to, you know, he's losing some earning power over the offseason. So maybe the Warriors are able to bring him back on a one year deal, or maybe, you know, a make good two year deal with a player option on the second year. That might not be a whole, worth a whole lot more than the mid level or than the minimum, but uh, at least something. So, you know, maybe you can bring him back at the mid level exception or something like that. So I think there's a chance for Glenn Robinson, especially, you know, a guy who can play defense well enough um and and can just hit open jumpers and he's durable and he's reliable and uh that would be a nice guy to have backing up Andrew Wiggins I want to get to this next question about how Eric Paschal and Draymond Green can play together next season but first 
When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast. You can also add skills tests to your job post so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash LockedOn and get free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Our next question comes from Will, who writes in, Eric Paschal has excelled in games that Draymond Green has missed. How can Steve Kerr help both to coexist and play well together? Uh, here are Pascal's per 36-minute stats when Green is on versus when he is off the court. So Eric Pascal without Draymond Green, 19.2 points on 54% shooting, 6 rebounds, and almost 3 assists per game. That's per 36 minutes without Draymond Green. Now per 36 minutes with Draymond Green, he goes from 19 to 15.5 points, 54% shooting to 38.6% shooting, and the rebounds and the assists are about the same. So look, it's obvious that Eric Paschal excels when Draymond Green's not on the court. The reason for that is is obvious. Draymond Green is a non-floor spacer. Guys will pack the paint. They play off of him when he's out on the three-point line where he likes to hang out. He likes to play on the three-point line, but he likes he doesn't shoot from there. He screens there. He facilitates from there. But guys will just play right off of him. And Eric Paschal just needs room to get downhill. He likes to bully his way into the rim. With one fewer body you know, out of the paint, or one fewer body in the paint, yeah, obviously his shooting percentages are going to go up. Um, I even I looked this up too. I didn't write it down, but I think he shoots like 70% at the rim when Draymond Green is off the floor versus like 50% or somewhere thereabouts when Draymond Green is on the floor. So again, like that shooting percentage bears out uh, when he gets to the basket where he likes to go. And so, um, you know, uh, Steve Kerr has experimented quite a bit with Eric Paschal's role this season. Is he Draymond Green's backup? Is he a small forward? Right now, he's basically, while Draymond Green is hurt, he's basically been Andrew Wiggins' backup. I don't know what his position next season is going to be. And by the way, Steve Kerr doesn't know that either. That's something that they had to figure out next year. One thing I will say, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how having Steph Curry and Klay Thompson impacts all of this. Like, is their extreme amount of spacing, is their gravity enough to basically say, you know what, as much as Draymond Green hurts our spacing, having Steph and Clay out there... It, it it creates so much space anyway that Pascal still has enough sp- uh, room to get to the rim, even with Draymond Green on the court. The other part of this is that if Pascal is Draymond Green's backup or Andrew Wiggins' backup, that means that he's going to probably be paired with the other one quite often, right? So basically, two of Draymond Green, Eric Pascal, and Andrew Wiggins will probably be on the floor for most of the Warriors' minutes next season. Now, Wiggins is a better shooter than Green and Pascal. But he's not a great shooter, and do you know opponents do play off of him a little bit. He's not a great floor spacer. He's more of an off-ball cutter. He is going to benefit from 
uh, Steph's and Clay's spacing as much as these other guys too. So the you know Steve Kerr for the, he's going to have to have two of those three guys on the court most of the time. It'll be interesting to see what combinations he goes with and how those guys play off of each other, and of course how Curry and Thompson can cover up for those for their lack of outside shooting. Okay, let's get to our next question from JJ Bay EG, who writes in. Do you think the Warriors will keep Kevon Looney for the long term if he continues to be in and out of the lineup with injuries? Uh, look, a lot of people were wondering if they were going to trade Kevon Looney at the trade deadline because of all of these injuries. Here's the thing. I don't know that they have a choice, If even if they want to get off of Kevon Looney in the long term. I mean, at the time, Looney's three-year, $15 million contract, when they signed that this summer, looked like a bargain. Now, it doesn't look like a bargain. Even at $5 million a year, if he's only playing 20 games a year... It doesn't matter how good he is in those 20 games. And by the way, he hasn't been that good in those 20 games that he played this season. So with this daunting injury history, this laundry list of injuries and things that are complicated, like this neuropathic condition that people don't really know about, and it's just it's the hips, it's the abs, it's, it's his lower body, it's this neuropathic thing. It's just one thing after the other with this guy. It's, he's just breaking down. And look, I feel bad for him, man. But... Even if you wanted to, if you're the Warriors, to if you wanted to get off of him long term, I don't know that you could. Like, what team right now is going to take Kevon Looney at five million a year? None. There's zero teams in the league who would trade for Kevon Looney right now. Not with this injury history. Not with the way that things are going for him this season. So I don't think the Warriors have so much of a choice. And that's why I dismissed sort of the trade deadline stuff, uh, those rumors, you know, in February, and it's sort of why I'm, I kind of feel like they're stuck with Kevon Looney for better or worse. Going forward, that said, I he has enough equity built with this organization where they do want to give him another chance. I think that they, they look at the center position. They see Marquise Chris as their potential starter. Kevon Looney as your switchable, like, 15 minutes a game type of backup center. And they'll probably add another center, which brings us to our next question after this. Support for this podcast comes from CDW NHP. At CDW, we get that an unsecured laptop can put your company's data at risk, making you a little paranoid. I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. CDW can implement a secure mobility solution using the HP EliteBook with Intel 8th Generation Processors and SureView Privacy to protect your screen from prying eyes. Did you follow me here? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash HP security. What was that? Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. Do you think Marquise Chris's emergence precludes the Warriors from drafting James Wiseman, or do you think the two could fit together? First of all, I don't, I don't think the two could fit together. Marquise Chris is the center, James Wiseman is the center. They can't play together. Uh, I don't think that the Warriors look at James Wiseman as a realistic draft uh, prospect. I, I think that they... I think that they look at Chris as a guy who has the inside track at earning the center spot next season, the starting center spot next season... I, and I do think that they're going to add another center, but I just don't think that they're going to be drafting James Wiseman at the top of the draft, mostly because they don't want to pay a center what top draft picks make. They make like $10 million a year. By the end of their rookie-scale contracts, they're making $14 million a year, thereabouts. 
The Warriors historically have not paid centers. Even DeMarcus Cousins, a superstar center, a big name, came on the cheap. That's why they signed him. It was a low-risk, low, you know, high-reward type situation. James Wiseman is not that. It is a high-risk, high-reward type of situation. And unless they are convinced that James Wiseman is a building block, a guy who can be in games in crunch time in high-stakes playoff situations, I don't think that they draft James Wiseman. Okay, I don't think it's so easy as the Warriors have Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. These other spots are filled. Just go draft the best center. Go draft James Wiseman. I don't think it's that simple. I think that they would rather allocate 10 to $14 million a year to a perimeter player, a versatile player. James Wiseman is not that. I mean, he seems fine. Like, I've watched his highlights. He seems fine. He could be good. But the Warriors overall, historically under Steve Kerr, have approached the center position like a baseball manager approaches his bullpen. You want different players for different situations. If you pay James Wiseman 10 to $14 million a year, you don't get to make him a situational player. He has to be on the court now. And he has to be on the court at the end of basketball games now. So what happens to the death lineup? Because I don't think he fits that. So... I don't, I don't think that the Warriors are very high on James Wiseman or really just in general the idea of drafting a center like James Wiseman, okay? I, I think that they would rather take that pick and, and look at um, a perimeter player, whether it's Anthony Edwards or whoever else, or maybe you just trade back and you don't want to pay that sort of money to a top pick anyway in a, in a draft that's not considered very top-heavy at all. Uh, so I know, I know that James Wiseman is sort of the popular choice. I just I'm not buying it. I don't see it. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Warriors. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Thanks for listening. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. Eric Powell. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you are looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.